Alright, what's up guys? Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. Life's been kind of crazy lately. Crazy in a good way. Just uh, a lot of changes. So I haven't really been able to podcast in a while. I had to take a little hiatus. It's been about two months, to be honest, man. The longest I've gone without podcasting and... uh, in about six years, maybe longer, which is crazy. Um, you know, if you've been watching the or been listening to the show, I went heavy every one, two a week for years now, deep. Uh, but it feels good to be back and have the podcast up and going. I took some time off just to. Uh, we moved in the time. I moved into a new house, so I've been doing that, and uh, we just we've been trying to get the podcast back up for uh, about two, three weeks now. I've been ready to podcast again, but I wasn't ready with the podcast studio. I was trying to figure out how to do the video podcast, have the mics incorporated. I got the boom arms and all the stuff. I invested in the podcast. That way we'd have the video version for YouTube and the audio version for uh, Spotify and iTunes. So now we do, and this is the studio, and it's just the beginning. It's not fully decorated. My sister Leah, shout out to Leah Shetler. She got me this gnome, which is the heaviest thing in here. I'll tell you that right now. Look at this. Oh, yeah. This is so damn heavy. This is the thickest gnome you've seen ever. Yeah, that thing's epic, though. She painted it, threw the little A logo up on the top. Um, I got my good friend Iggy, who made the sign for all I need. He came to my new house, and he... Uh, hung it up and put it as the backdrop for us. I'm really stoked. Um, Yeah, so today I am going to answer questions from you from online. I got them on my phone, so let's just start it off. Let's get right back into it. It feels good to be back. Choo, boys. Choo, choo. (laughs) Actually, before we get into the questions, I woke up today. It's Saturday. I had three skate lessons. Um, one with Alex, who was a new person, he was really fun to skate with, and he was picking it up pretty easy, just getting his balance down, learning tricks, so that went well, and then my second one is with Chloe, who might be my new favorite skater, I was telling someone the other day, I was like, nowadays, I think this little girl, she's like 12 years old, maybe younger, is my favorite skater now, which is crazy to say, because back in the day, like, Barely any girl skated, and if they did, they were a little bit older, and the, you never saw them. And nowadays, there's so many girls. There's everybody skating, but so many girls too, ripping, dude. It inspires me, and they're they're just going for it. So Chloe's been ripping. We even made a sticker for her. I'll show you. So Chloe came into the skate park, and she had a book. And uh, it was her All I Need book, and she's been working on graphics for All I Need, so she showed me one that I was like, this is so sick. Because whenever we're skating, and uh, if you watch the YouTube videos, whenever we're skating, I'm always like, choo-choo, 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 just making noises, because I I love making noises, because I love watching people skate, and it's always like, even if you don't know them, it's like weird to like get the session going, so my way of breaking the ice and, like, cheering for other people is to just make crazy noises, and a lot of the times my crazy noise just, just choo-choo, choo-choo, and it's like a train, you know, so Chloe picked that up, because I've been doing lessons with her for, like, uh, six months now, 
and uh, she'd just be doing that to me, like doing the choo choo back at me. And I'm like, oh, dude, what is this? And then people would start telling me, like, you're always making that noise. I'm like, oh, no shit. I started paying attention more. I'm like, I do make that noise. And she came in and drew a train, man. It was so sick. So I went and go ahead and made some stickers. Here, check it out. I'll hold it up to the camera. We did two, two colorways for Chloe of this sticker. But, so this is our choo-choo train sticker for Chloe. Because Chloe's awesome. She's just pure hype and loves skating. And every time I get to the park, she just wants to show me ten new things that she learned. And she's always ripping. So I had a lesson with her today. And then I had another new person at the end. The lessons are sick. Uh, I, I only do them on Saturday and Sunday mornings. For those out there, for those of you out there that are wondering about skateboard lessons, because I notice people look at me when I'm doing it, they they're not ever sure if I have a lesson or not. And sometimes I don't have a lesson. I'm just skating with a, an eight year old, and they think I have a lesson. But sometimes eight year olds are just fun to skate with because everything's new to them, and they're just like, I feed off them as much as they feed off me, you know. And I and I can tell those kids they just need like some encouragement or or someone just to make some noise at them so they know like. People are out here, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I'm always skating with little kids, man. But for those wondering about skate lessons, yeah, I just do it twice a week because I don't want it to be a full-time gig, man. It's like a lot of work to be there and hang out with kids for a long time, and they need your attention. And, like, you can be – you got to be careful when you hang out with kids because you, uh, you can rub them the wrong way. Like, you can influence them in a bad way or you can uh, – you just got to make sure you're on top of it because they just need you to encourage them and, and push them and challenge them because kids are smart and they can get away with stuff and they can get on your nerves too, man. Sometimes they're just too over the, over the top, want too much attention. They need to skate more. You got to kind of be honest with them, call them out as an adult, but treat them, treat them like a little adult, you know. But I do them just on the weekend. So anybody wondering, that's what I did. I, I carve out like two days a week from 9 a.m. to noon on Saturday and Sunday mornings just to show up. Make sure I'm at my best, my best, my personal best. Show up and give them some personal challenges, and skate with them, and let them talk a little bit. Figure out how to communicate with an adult, and uh, I love it, man. It helps. It's helping me grow. It helps them grow. It's it's like one of the best things that I do in my life is hang out and teach skateboard lessons. So um, I would suggest other people doing it if you feel like you could help out, be a mentor basically. If you can help out and hang out with kids and talk to them. Just be a good example of an adult who's not too uppity or too cool or someone that can just hang out with them. You don't even have to teach them. I, I don't even like. I don't even like really calling them lessons or teaching. I, I just do because it's the only words I have for it. But really, I'm just hanging out, being a mentor, and trying to be an example of like a, an adult who's figuring it out and an adult who has respect for others and that can communicate the best they can. And you know, which is a good challenge every weekend in the morning. I have to wake up and. Just go hang out with these kids, and it's cool, man. It's cool to see the progress, see the kids showing up and making friends, and that's my ultimate goal with skateboard lessons is to uh, get them all skating together and coming to the park so they, they don't even need me anymore. If I do a good job with the lessons, they don't need me anymore, and they just show up to the park, and I just have homies to skate with, which is the win-win, you know? And a lot of the lessons, too, like, I can see, like, the dudes that are, like, in their 20s looking at me being, like, teaching skateboard, Coach Shetler, teaching skateboard lessons, whatever, you know? But really, man, it's just, like, <clears throat> I don't really care, first of all, if you feel that way. But, uh... 
because there's too many kids out there that I, all I do is help them learn to balance, you know? They just need to learn to push and balance. And once you get them on that, once you get them moving and mobile and they can balance and push, they don't need you anymore. They're autonomous, you know? A lot of times kids don't even get into skating because they don't feel like there's any place for them in it, you know? You go to a park and everyone's ripping and the, one, the little kid's just kind of intimidated, doesn't get out there, you know? Or they start learning and they're trying to figure out how to balance and push and, and they just get ahead of themselves and end up getting hurt, which is another big issue with skate lesson. With skate lessons is my job is I'm basically just trying to slow them down because everybody wants to do all the hard tricks, the drops. They all want to drop in on the first day. They want to be able to kickflip now. And it's like if you skateboard, you know it takes a long time to learn the kickflip, and there's so much you got to learn before that. Same with dropping in. It's like everybody wants to drop in. I'll go to the park, and I'll see, like, two new people at the park. You can tell they barely skate, but they're excited. They got their balance a little bit. One friend has learned to drop in, in, and the other friend has not, but the other friend is trying to encourage their friend who hasn't to drop in. And I'm watching. I'm like, yo, they're going to get hurt trying to drop in right now and just be off skateboarding, you know? I can't tell you how many times I've walked in and seen a kid about to drop in, and you can tell he's too scared or she's too scared to drop in and should probably be practicing other stuff before the drop in. But people are there telling them, like, yeah, go for it. And I get that because sometimes that's all you need to hear when you're learning to drop in is, like, you know, it's scary the first one, but you just need someone to be like, you fucking got it. If they're under 12, maybe don't say, fucking got it. But uh, just say, you got it. Choo-choo-choo. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, my job in skateboard lessons is just to slow them down. Be like, look, man, we gotta learn to crawl, build up a good foundation, that way you can learn all the tricks later. So I hit, make them learn to push in the hallway, learn to turn backside, frontside, learn to pump the mini ramp. Everybody wants to be able to skate the mini ramp, but nobody wants to learn to pump. They want to drop in and like, show off they can do that, but I'm always like, nah, from the bottom up, learn to pump. Get your balance. Like, this is going to give you the core strength for all the ollies, all the tricks, everything. And then my main part of the skate lessons is just to, like, try to be their friend and just introduce them to people so they don't feel, like, crazy out there at the skate park by themselves or intimidated. All right, enough about skateboard lessons. I love them, and I got three more tomorrow. Sometimes I schedule too many, which is a dangerous thing because you can't really be present for too many. My max is three one-on-one skate lessons, one hour of skate lessons, and I do three in a row. So three hours, one hour each, and I can actually be coherent and pay attention and, and figure out, like, what each person needs help with, you know? Um, but I love the skateboard lessons, man. All right, so here's some questions from online that uh, I've been sitting on for a little bit. And the first one comes from my nephew, actually. And uh, thank you, Devante Shetler, shout out. My, my, my nephew, choo, 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 uh, who makes music too, man. You're going to hear more of Devante's music uh, coming up, man. He's got a show in February. He makes hip-hop, rap. He's still he's still learning, but he's, he's nice with it, and he's getting better and better. It's awesome to see, man. It's cool to see him gravitate towards something. You never know growing up if you're going to find something. Like for me, skating has always been the thing, and I just fell in love with it, and I'm so grateful I did because nothing really pulled me in like skateboarding. Probably like you, too, you know? You find skating, you're just obsessed with it. And for some people, that's music. Pretty much anything that helps you express yourself is, like, awesome. And for Devante, it's music so far. He's learning to uh, 
to convey how he feels or be artistic with his words, which is a good skill to have in life for sure. But Devontae says, what's your 2020 resolution? Let me get some coffee. Shout out to my lady Dash too. She got me this Yeti cool uh, Yeti mug, and she got the all I need on the back and front. Solid mug too. All right, my New Year's resolution is for this podcast because for the last two months I've missed this podcast so much, and I've just been doing so much in life, moving into new houses and trying to figure out the whole video portion of this so it's proper, and I've just been itching the podcast, and and you guys know that you guys that have been listening to the podcast and been a part of it for a while, it's like this podcast is is my spot to just like unwind and talk and get the homies to come on, so I'm going to crush it this year with the podcast. Video podcast 2020 for all I need is going to be heavy. Uh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna rotate through all the team members. I'll go through Billy, Billy Drown, Corey Goonan. I'll have have to fly Timmy up here, Timmy Canoe to come on the podcast. Cle- Kevin, Kevin Clem's gonna come on. Uh, I'm gonna cycle through our East Coast New England uh, skate scene and find all the young bucks who are ripping and trying to make a name in skateboarding. And I'm gonna have them come on the All I Need podcast for you guys, so you can get to know them and check them out. And those dudes that are just newly pro, I'll have Evan back on, Evan Mansalillo, like I was saying, Billy and Kevin, and all those dudes are come back on. And I'm gonna try try to find some skate shop people that o- opened up skate shops to come on. Um, everybody that's in the skate scene out here. And of course, I'll reach out to um, some pros and people out west too and whatnot. But since I'm really focusing on the video side, I'm going to do more local-based people. And if anybody from outside wants to fly in, stay with me, and come on the podcast, we can talk and figure that one out, too. So it would be sick to have, like, you know, in the past I had the Muska. Imagine if I could get the Muska to come back, come to my come to my podcast studio and just hang out and chill. And KG, I could ask him so many questions. That would be sick. But, um, yeah, this year's resolution for 2020 is to crush the video podcast and to just go hard for skateboarding in general, to, to really push all I need uh, and work really hard at it and put on for all the dudes that, all the people that support all I need, just blow up all I need for you guys. Because with the YouTube channel, I get nothing but positive feedback. I see people all the time that's watching the videos telling me how much they love it. People are copping the apparel, the decks, and all that stuff. That means the world to me. And you guys are getting the mission of all I need. So I really want to go hard and blow up skateboarding for you. So 2020, focusing on putting the emphasis on blowing up skateboarding and all I need, man. Which is the same, one and the same, you know. So... I'm really going to go hard. We're going to start with podcasts once a week. I'm trying to record them on Saturday or Sunday mornings after my skateboard lessons because um, I'm just like after the lessons, hanging out, skating, seeing people, I'll come here and just record in the studio. It, it feels like a good time. I used to do them on Wednesday nights, but uh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, I'll record them and I'll try to get them online for Monday. Um yeah, so that's my 2020 resolution. Crush the pods for you, my g- my dudes. <laughs> Shout out to Talon, my G Talon out there. Anybody who's met Little Talon, he's a ripper. He's one of my lessons, but also just my homie. He still has lessons with me, and I don't. Really, he doesn't always need lessons with me. He's kind of like ahead of his uh, ahead of him. He's like 
he's older than he seems, you know, like, but some days he needs lessons, like, some days he's frustrated, can't land a trick, and he just needs me to be like, yo, this is part of the game, bro, hang with me, work on this, like, this will strengthen your other area, don't worry about that, you know, Talon's the G, man, he's in all my, all the videos, too, so, uh, next question comes from Devontae again, he's got a few questions, so I'm just gonna read them all off. He gets uh, seniority because he's my nephew. Choo, 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 choo. Devontae in the building. Um, he writes, what made you pick skateboarding as a career? That's a good question, man. So it's worded a little strange, but Devontae doesn't really skate too much. He skates a little bit. I got, I got him rolling when he was younger and stuff, and he can jump on a board and cruise. Hopefully I'll get him into skating more because it seems to help a lot of people, and I know it could help him too, just like his music. Um, I didn't get into skate. Well, I get. Let me let me read the question again so I can answer it correctly. I'll say that I didn't get into skating to start a career. Career had nothing to do with the word skateboarding when I started. I started skating because I met a kid named Dale. Shout out to Dale Raymond in Raymond, New Hampshire. Last name Raymond. Lived in Raymond. Strange but awesome. Still friends with Dale. Legendary dude. Taught me so much. He used to push Mongo though, and I tried to copy him. And I thought that's how you were supposed to push Mongo, because Dale pushed Mongo, and he was always pushing way faster than me, and I was new, and he was teaching me. So I used to try and force myself to push Mongo. Could not do it. Um, then I just realized, fuck that. I'm not pushing that way, and I'm going to just push how I can push, and things went better from there. But <laughs> um, So there was a point, I guess, where I made a choice that skateboarding would be my career because career is such a touchy subject in skateboarding if you say skateboarding and career maybe not so much nowadays but when i was coming in if you equated skateboarding to a job or work i feel like people would just laugh at you make you feel stupid but there was a time not where i decided it was going to be my career but there was a time where i decided it was all i need you know what i mean like i was like I started working other jobs, and I started skating less because I had to work, and responsibility and bills came and stuff, and I had to make a choice like, hey, I either got to build skateboarding into my life somehow, or it's just slowly going to get taken away from me, just from responsibility and life, and not, you know, like, you know, that's what happens in life. If you don't fight for the things you love and find a way to build them into your life so that you can uh, continue to do them, you have to carve out the time and make the effort to do them, you know? Otherwise, they'll just be taken away. You could be tired after work every day and beaten down. You have a bad attitude and be like, no, I don't never have enough time to skate or blah, 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 you know? And some people are like that. There's a million excuses, you know? But for me, I just skateboarding started as therapy it was just like hey it was therapeutic and community i met all my friends from it and i just got older and i was like you know what like i gotta work a job and i gotta even i mean i turned pro and all that stuff and got paid to just skate and i did that for a long time and that was epic and i was just like so much free time but i just over skated so much i know that's weird to say but i was always hurt because I was skating so much and not taking any days off, because I was getting paid, so I felt obligated to kind of treat it like it was a job. Like I just felt bad because I had too much free time and I didn't have a lot of other skills besides skateboarding. So I would just skate, skate, skate until I was hurt, and then I was recovering, and then back to skating. You know, but there was a point where I was just like, you know, I'm gonna figure out how to get better at, you know, uh, or how I'm gonna start my own company or 
run a YouTube channel or do a podcast where I talk about skating. It might not be skating, but it it has involves skating, you know. So I just took the, took it a little more serious at some point. I wanted to do it more than just casually, you know. So uh, once I graduated high school, I just went across the country. We drove across, no money, slept in parking lots like uh, on the highway, and just took our friend's van, and the side of the door fell off, and we put the sh- shout out to Seamus Deegan. He was my team manager for um, Fibro and uh, Birdhouse and Zoo York. Good homie. Filmed me a whole lot in the beginning. He helped me get sponsored and find connections in skateboarding. Shout out to Seamus Deegan, man. Good dude. Still crushing it out there, too. Daddy Deegan out there. But, yeah, I just realized, like, hey, if I don't, like, get more skills and take this a little more serious and focus on a way to uh, make a little bit of money with skateboarding, which is another thing that people frown upon is, like, figure out how to monetize your skating or make some money from your skating or something. You know, even your filming, like, like the chorus of the core dudes will just talk shit on you, you know, because it's like you're not supposed to take skating serious. It's crazy because skating can be whatever you want it to be. People always just not – not always, but some people assume I don't don't like the Olympics and people like taking skating like a sport or whatever, and they'd be right. I don't for myself. I don't. I don't look at skating like a sport or like a job or anything like that. But for someone else, I don't care if that's what your version of skating is. Go for it, man. It's it might that version might be my my idea of hell, but to you it might be your heaven. You know what I mean? Like who knows? Who am I to say how you should skateboard? <laughs> It's an individual thing, you know? It can be anyways. But there was a time where I was like, I have to get serious about this and figure this out because there's bills. I I can't just be a homeless dude. Like, I can't be a bum at 25, no money, and just trying to just skate all the time and, like, kind of being a drain on society. And not that there's anything wrong with it. That's the time to do it. I've done that. Like, 18 to 25, I basically just drifted and said, fuck money. I'm just skating all the time and trying to figure this out. And by doing that, I it helped me realize, like, hey – um, this is super fun and you're killing it, but like you got to make some money so you can live comfortable and pay your bills and not have to stress. And then you'll be able to skate more and skate without stress and your skating will get better because you got the paycheck and you, you, you can pay your bills and you don't have to worry about that. So whether that's through a job or a sponsor or whatever, nowadays it's like you can find a way to do it. Um, so that was it. I just decided I hit an age where I was like, you know what? I need money to keep doing this basically. You got to pay for your boards and shoes. Luckily, I got sponsored. That helped me out for a while, but then the sponsors fade, especially if you go through a recession. And then uh, I just got a job. I worked my ass off, and it made every hour that I got free to skate that much more valuable. So that was cool. Sucked because I felt like I wasn't skating as much as I was, you know. It's strange for me because I've been skating for so long, man. I mean, other people have been skating longer than me, but... I've been skating for like 24 years, something crazy like that, maybe 25 now, and I've been through all phases, you know, I started out just skating, and uh, after school, and whenever I could, and then I got sponsored, did that whole thing, and I was skating all the time, and then I got to the point where I'm like 37 now, and it's like I don't get to skate as much as I want, but 
it's fine because I've done all that other stuff, you know, and now I'm really excited to focus on, like, the business side of things and uh, teaching skateboard lessons and mostly filming and editing. I've been doing a lot of filming and editing for the YouTube channel and filming the community and making videos and showcasing East Coast and all all over the world skateboarding, but mostly New England skate scene, showing that, that to people and trying to put the light on other people besides myself because I, I feel very fortunate. I have like over 30 pro model boards. I have about 10 different uh, colorways in my pro model shoe and like things that I achieved that I worked really hard for when I took it a little more serious, you know. I never take skating completely serious because it is like a childish, silly thing and it it can just be a crazy artistic scribbly line you know it doesn't have to be emails and order and like rob you of your soul you don't have to turn it into a job or a team sport or any of that shit you can if you want but um it's a balancing act it's a little bit of everything i realize that when i'm almost 40 three years away from 40 i realize that skateboarding is complex enough to be whatever you want and it can be a little bit of all of it and and if at this age, like, it's got to be. It can't just be me trying to be a pro all the time. Sometimes I got to be the mentor. Sometimes I got to be the dude crushing the emails, shipping out the boards and doing all the business side so we can go on the trips, you know? I'm going off on a tangent. But, like, we just got back from Florida. The All I Need crew, shout out to everybody, Kevin, Timmy, uh... Evan, Sean, all these dudes, we all flew down to Florida, about seven, eight of us, went to Orlando, went to Surf Expo for about the third, fourth year in a row, it was epic, man, but that whole trip, I was like, not the pro skater, I was the team manager, you know, and I was organizing the the event at Surf Expo, we did a mini ramp jam, which was awesome, Dalton Dern, shout out Dalton Dern for destroying it, if you're out there and you know who Dalton Dern is, leave a comment, let me know, that you know him because he's a G as well and destroys it. Um, all those dudes down in Florida that showed up for Surf Expo, man. Bunch of rippers, man. We did So I had to run that whole event. We flew down. I kind of let the team be the pros. You know, I let them have their nights out drinking, hanging out, just piling out. But they, they do a great job. It's insane. This trip made me realize, like, I had, I'm so proud of the All I Need skate team. All I Need and World. Because uh, Kevin rides for World, Sammy rides for World, and Sean Egan rides for World. So, like, we had about eight dudes, and everyone helps me out, man. They, like, help me set up the booth at Trade uh, at Surf Expo. They help me run the game of skate. They help me run the mini ramp jam, and they skated in it, and they partied, and they fucking went street skating and destroyed it. It made me realize, I mean, I always realized how sick our crew was, but I just, like, am proud of, like, how far they come. They work really hard on top of, like, having fun and being piles at the same time. Like, that's all you could ask for. Because I'm like, yo, don't get too old yet. I'll be the dinosaur. They kept calling me a boomer on the whole trip, man. <laughs> they were, like, calling me a boomer, just busting my balls. And I felt every bit of a boomer. I felt like a crusty old dinosaur. Whoa, did you hear that? Cop just whizzed by. Some days I wake up now at 37 and I feel every bit of 74 on my board. I'm like, I feel like my knees won't bend. And if I fall, I'm just going to turn into a thousand pieces. It's not every day, but in the winter, especially like right now. Oh, man, it's snowing out right now. And I went outside to walk my dogs and I'm just like, my hips, my goddamn hips hurt. And Elwood's like... My dog, Elwood, he's uh, he's a boomer in dog years, so he's, like, limping and, like, trying to struggle out there. 
It's insane, man. Skateboarding is beating me up, man. I can't even blame it on skateboarding. I beat myself up, and I blame it on skateboarding. Skateboarding kept me conditioned way longer. Some days I wake up, though, and I feel like I'm a talent, like I'm 12 years old, and nothing can break me, and I'm whipping all around the skate park. But watching the dudes rip street was the best part, because I love street skating. That's my favorite part of skateboarding. We were down in Florida, new spots, and uh, dudes were raging, but still killing it in the streets and pulling their weight. It was so sick, man. I'm like, it made me realize, I'm like, it's hard to hang with these dudes. They're just, they're like where I was 10 years ago, you know, 37. They're even younger than that, so I'd be 27. They're like in their mid-20s, you know, 22 to 25, and just like, we're destroying, man. I miss those days, but it's cool to watch it through them and see them live it and have fun and party and like get the tricks and like be and throw the events and the. It's so cool, man. I'm so proud of all that stuff. Shout out to the team. You guys rip. All I need all day. Choo 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 choo. <laughs> we've been ba- all right. This is a little off topic, but we've been battling just a couple haters online. There's overwhelming support for uh, everybody on the team and all I need in world. Like, more love than hate, for sure. But online, there's always a couple sour assholes out there that come at you. And we've had a few online battles. Digital Warfare this year. The people coming, af- coming after the skate park, too, because they have to pay to skate a skate park, an indoor skate park on the East Coast. I don't understand that mentality. It's like, dude, there's only one skate park in Massachusetts, indoor skate park in Massachusetts, Skater's Edge, no other ones. There's a reason for that. Running a skate park and taking out insurance and, like, keeping it going and having people support it, there's only one season where you make money at the skate park, and that's winter because you can't skate outside. And we all need an indoor skate park in the winter. Otherwise, what the fuck are we going to do? But people, old, like, 20... Anywhere from 25 to 30 years old, they these skaters, they like to get all bitter and mad because they have to pay $17 for three hours at a skate park. And they don't have to. They don't have to go to the skate park. But in the winters, it's like there's nowhere else to go. So you think you'd want to go, pay your – let's do that. Let's do the simple math that I have to do on the calculator. <laughs> all right, let me see. 17 divided by 3. All right, so – $5.60 for an hour, three hours, $17, and that money goes into keeping the skate park going. It's a, it's a 30,000 square foot indoor park, and everybody goes there. It's amazing. You go in the winter, and you pay your $17. You have three hours. I meet like 10 people because people come from all over the country, even different um, – all over the world, dude. People come from all over to go to that skate park, and you get three hours for $17, which is a hell of a deal, because I've been to other indoor parks. It's even more, and it's a modest – that's like nothing to charge. They could charge 25 you know? Um, but, yeah, we just battle these people online, these fucking assholes, these dudes that, like, they're getting older, and they just don't want to admit that they're older, and they don't want to go get a job, and they're broke all the time, and they just want to, like, get mad at something. So they come either, either come at me and all I need or the team because they're like, oh, you guys, they're just hating on what we're doing. I'm like, what are we doing? We're doing any – you could do the same thing. That's my whole thing is when people talk shit on the skate park or all I need or world, I'm like, you do it. If you don't like how we're building a skate brand or how the skate park is being run – then you go do it, and then you can make up your own rules, and you don't have to critique other people, you know? 
It's like if you think $17 for three hours at Skater's Edge is too much, then you take the risk, you do the work and responsibility of opening up a skate park, and then you can charge whatever you want. And they're even attacking the art inside the skate park, man. My good homie Tim came down, Partner Projects on Instagram, came to the park and were like, hey, you want to decorate the walls? You got a canvas, dude. It'll make this place feel like home. We like your art. Like, did this sick mural above the foam pit. It's a big owl flying. It's a corner piece. It looks so sick. Everybody's I teach lessons to loves that stuff. And uh, the fucking assholes coming online like, oh, shitty skate park art, blah, 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 telling people their skate park art is shitty and blah, blah, blah. This is like a certain demo. It's not more people are positive. I, it's easy to focus on the negative, you know, because they're the loudest, that loudest assholes out there online. But so we've had some haters, and I know they say if you're doing good things and your shit's growing, like you're bound to have some haters. So I'm aware of that, and it's fine. But to anybody out there who's got a problem with Skater's Edge, you start your own fucking park, and then you can do it however you want, you know. And then we'll have another indoor park, which would be epic, you know, like. Instead of sitting back and just being mad and bitter and criticizing other people who are helping skateboarding out by assuming the risk and opening up a skate park and taking on the insurance and making sure people work and pay the, and and thank you actually more importantly thank you to every skater out there that understands that we need an indoor park and we need local skate brands and shout out to all you that support the park and pay the seventeen dollars and skate the whole three hours where you're like exhausted and you're like damn that was more than worth it and shout out to anybody who supports all i need because that goes right back into skating so you guys are the g's and all you negative people out there like my homie tim tim mckenney says the those those uh skate vampires y'all dead bro we don't need you anymore love 2020 that's what he says <laughs> it's all about love bro <laughs> okay moving on moving on from that I had some coffee. I came home today, took a nap because I had a headache all day. I think just because I went to the park, did three lessons, didn't sleep very well last night just because I was antsy, I don't know, excited maybe. Sometimes I can't sleep because I'm too excited. If that's weird, I'm kind of weird, so. If you're out there and you're watching this and you let me know if you have a hard time sleeping sometimes because you're too excited, just thinking about stuff and can't pass out i'm like that sometimes um shout out to Devante. all right he said what's the hardest trick to learn learning how to push properly is is pretty hard like get pushing get a good balance swerving that's the most important thing you should learn i don't know if it's the hardest i'm sure like excuse me 900 is probably harder but whatever all right moving on moving on Jacob Jensen writes, shout out to Jacob Jensen. He writes, thoughts on Trump's impeachment. So, Dan, we just swerved away from skating on the podcast, but that's fine with me. I don't mind. I I pay attention to politics. I don't want to, but you kind of have to. When you get to my age, you got to kind of see how crazy the adults in charge are. And it's like, I pay attention. I'm not sure why, because sometimes it just makes me sad. Although this year, last year and this year, I've kind of been inspired by that dude, Andrew Yang, because he talks a lot of sense, you know? I don't know if, like, the president, being the president is even possible. It seems like one of the hardest things in the world, and you can't please everyone, that's for sure. So, like, I try to understand that, but, um, yeah, Donald Trump's impeachment, 
here's how I feel about our president and the whole impeachment thing. I feel like, oh man, we're we're transitioning. We're transitioning into something new because of the internet, or at least I'm hoping. Because my whole time growing up, I grew up in a broken family who had just enough money to get by, who didn't have any disposable income, and uh, just working, you know. And we had, I had, my family had a lot of help from the government, like um, welfare, you know, like food stamps and just like housing, Section Eight stuff like that, you know. But the presidents, um, I never really paid attention when I was younger because. When you're dealing with poverty and just, like, in the projects and trailer parks, it's kind of, like, hard to think beyond that area, you know? And um, I just feel like having Trump as president, it's been crazy because he's a reality TV star, you know? And everything seems to be, like, a reality TV show these days. Seriously, everything. Everyone's online and seems like everybody's a reality TV star. So it makes sense that we have Donald Trump, you know. And I don't want to get too political with you, but I feel like impeachment is just something they had to do. I don't think he's going to actually, like, get removed from office. There's Democrats or whoever's still going to have to beat him coming up in February, I believe. Like, they're still going to have to have better ideas and, like, which shouldn't be too hard, you'd think, but I feel like they're playing politics so much that it's not even about the ideas anymore. It's just about who can diss the other person and make the other person seem stupid and uh, whether you have ideas or not. If you can just talk shit on the other group and get a laugh and troll them enough, you can win the presidency, unfortunately. I hope that's not the truth. But I don't really think about the impeachment too much. People's whole lives revolve around Trump getting impeached or not being impeached. Everybody's on a fucking team. It's just a big distraction from what you should be doing, maybe. I pay attention to it just so I know. So when I do vote uh, coming up, I'll know how people people are acting and what their tactics are to become president. I, I really wish we just had, like, some common sense back in the White House. That would be amazing, you know? Like, because right now we have, like... Whew, a whole lot of craziness. You don't even know what's real and what's not. They've coined this the phrase fake news, and we don't even know if climate change is real or not. And they're not making it easy or figuring it out. It's because our paradigm has shift from magazines and video, um, from magazines and, like, uh, DVDs and stuff. That's where we used to consume all our media to online. So now online, it's like the Wild West. Everybody can have input. So you don't know. You're like... You have no idea what's up and down anymore. I I, kind of like get a feeling when I hear the truth or what I assume is the truth. I get like a feeling or I'm like, this sounds so good, you know, and I always question it. But like you just got to pay attention, be aware. It's not easy. I don't really care that much about impeachment. Maybe if Donald Trump had a good kickflip, I'd give a shit more, you know, but I do pay attention to politics. And I do know that whether they're not going to remove him from office. I feel like you're going to have to beat him. You're going to have to beat him in the box office. <laughs> it's like a movie. That's how I feel. It's like a movie these days. 
I'm trying to be optimistic about politics and our government and our whole system and our whole society. And, like, I want to think that we're moving forward because it seems like we are. And it seems like more people are being lifted out of poverty. And we have this technology that we can connect and and spread and change and uh, infect each other with ideas, good or bad, you know. And it's like I'm hoping that all this craziness right now is, like, leading towards some sort of uh, understanding of what we are and who we are and how we can better, how we can make the ride better for everybody. Um, it's crazy because we're like, we, we're, we're, it seems like we're progressing because like 10 years, 20, 30, 40, 100 years, 200 years, like you think about the things that were going on and to where we're at now, it seems like things have gone way better, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to have faith in this whole system. And uh, But Donald Trump scares the shit out of me. A lot of people do. <laughs> Politics in general scare me just because it's like I feel like it's a bunch of kids out there just playing games. They forget. They turn people into numbers and votes instead of actual like instead of actual individuals where you're like, hey, this person has a job, a family. They just start playing politics and fighting with each other and they forget about all the people they're supposed to be helping. And that terrifies me sometimes. So, um, yeah, enough about enough about impeachment. But I am paying attention to politics, so I watch all the interviews, or I haven't lately, but leading up to, like, last week, I've paid attention to all the interviews and try to see, like, who I thought was telling the truth and who had the best intentions and try to look into policies and see what I would think about them. I've always just kept my head down and skated, but as I get older, I pay attention a little more. I'm not trying to get pulled into it because, like, it's too crazy, man. All right, Jacob Jensen has another question. What's it like being a pro? Also, what is your favorite trick? All right, shout out to Jensen. Um, being pro 10 years ago, it was just ripping all the time, skating, trying to get the best clips I could, uh, trying to be a good representative for whatever brands support me, whether it's my own brand or other brands that sponsor me, just trying to to rip basically film clips and promote skateboarding in a good light you know nowadays it's uh similar but uh not as much street skating as i would like <laughs> it's not it's just not as much i love street skating that might be my favorite part of skating and i just don't get to do it and i physically can't i can't get as gnarly as i used to so now i got it's a lot of filming for me as a pro as a pro skateboarder it's a lot of filming and editing other people just because i got to put on for them. You always need a filmer, you know? So, And my favorite trick would be a kickflip on flat ground. I would say frontside flip, but before that comes the kickflip. And something about just a good-looking flat ground kickflip. If you agree, let me know. Let me know. Um, let's see. Moving on. Moving on. Oh, this is Nick Barth. He asked, having to pay to skate a park opinions discussions. We already talked about that one a little bit, but thanks for the question, Nick. And I say, hell yeah, on the East Coast, if someone goes through all the trouble of opening up an indoor skate park in the winter to help support the skate scene, and they're charging a modest fee like $17 for three hours, which is $5.60 an hour, which is nothing, and you then support the park because that money goes into it. You have to pay the employees. you got to keep the lights on. There's heating in the winter. There's insurance. Like, there's so much that go into it, man. So, yeah, pay. 
Nothing's free in this world. And these people are running a skate park, and they're assuming a lot of risk and trying to pay the bills to make it happen. They're, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. In the summers, indoor parks on the East Coast, spring, summer, and fall, empty. Ghost town in those skate parks. The Edge, ghost town. Everybody's been in there for four months in the winter. Think about that. There's 12 months in a year. Maybe four months, not even really, but like, because there's nice days even in the winter. So like maybe three months, it's jam-packed bumping. The rest of the year, ghost town. No one's paying to go to an indoor park. They're all outdoors. And guess what's popping up on the East Coast? Thank God, tons of epic outdoor concrete skate parks. So like more reason not to go to the indoor park in the winter, spring, or fall, because it's still nice out. So yeah, if there's an indoor park, which we have one in Massachusetts... The, the biggest one that that is epic, and we do tons of sick shit there, pay your $17, get your three-hour sessions, skate the whole time. You're not going to skate for three hours straight. You're going to take breaks. It's a long time. And $17, man. So I think you should do it. I do it. Like, I'm down, dude. Anyone who doesn't want to support the skate scene or the indoor park on the East Coast in the winter, you're an asshole to me. And if you if you don't want to support one because of your politics, then you start the indoor park and you take on the responsibility and you help out all the skaters around you by doing that. And then they'll hopefully pay so you can keep the lights on. You know what I mean? And I'm talking to a few of you out there that have come at me online about this. I'm talking directly to you because the majority of people don't care because they get it. They go, yeah, we need this place. It's not that much money. I love this place. I've met so many friends at the skate park, indoor park, like – it's a cool place to throw events. We had the New England Am the last few years. It's insane, man. All right, we got more questions. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> um, all right, these, these names are tricky for me, so bear with me. Soga memes. Soga memes. He said, what kitchen appliance do you use every day? <laughs> Dude, today's podcast is all over the map. I use kitchen appliance. I mean, I use the stove for sure. I like to boil water. I make tea in the mornings. I make tea throughout the whole day. My girl buys me this is like super fruit tea, and it's so good. It's super expensive. I didn't realize how expensive it was because she's buying it. So I've been eating it like, I mean, drinking it all day long and just not realizing how expensive. I'm just like chugging it down. I should have been babying it and making it last, you know, but... um. So I use the stove. I love cooking, so pans, spatulas. I'm taking this question super serious for some reason. <laughs> it's a good question, dude. I love cooking. I do all the cooking. My lady doesn't – she'll cook, but she always – I feel like she just talks shit on her cooking so she can get out of cooking and I have to cook. But I'm proud of my cooking. I've been cooking since I was little. I Growing up, I loved cooking shows. It was my favorite. I used to love – my favorite show was Two Fat Ladies, and it was just – that was the name of it. And I believe they were British, and it was just two fat ladies that cooked. And they were so fun to watch, and I learned a lot from them. And I grew up watching all the cooking shows. And in school, I loved, like, uh, whatever the class is called where you cook. But, yeah, that one. I love that. I love cooking, so I'm always using spatulas and pans, um, forks, appliances. Yeah, I'm trying to think of appliances. Uh, yeah, okay, moving on, moving on. Sammy Skates asks... How would you describe the changes in skating over the last decade, local and as an industry? 
Damn good question, Sammy. I would say that it's kind of skateboarding. This is this is a legit question for me. I try to think about this a lot. When I was growing up, skating was videos and magazines, and the way you got into those was you had to ride for someone, a sponsor, and they had to pay advertising. And that was the skateboard industries. You had magazines, Skateboarder, Thrasher, the Skateboard Mag, Transworld, and then you had the brands that were making the team videos, so you had to ride for the teams. We didn't have the democracy of the internet. We didn't have Instagram, any of that stuff. So the way it's changed to me is that everybody has the ability to broadcast now. Like even this podcast is the truth. I just is the proof of that. I started a podcast in my house and we've built up a following through it, you know, and everybody's got a camera and a mic. These phones have amazing microphones so you can like record each other. Everybody has a chance to build up a following. So it went from like having gatekeepers where you had to like please these companies that own the whole industry and the videos and magazines to now you could just build up your own skate community because you are, you're the publisher. You can create the content and put it online. It's become more individual, which I like because, like, I like being able to, like, make the YouTube videos and I like doing this podcast and I love building skate teams and, like, everyone has their own version of skating, you know, and their own expression of it and we need more of that. We need more skaters that are like, yeah, I want to rip and be the skater, but I also want to, like, be the filmer, be the dude who's talking about skating. I want to interview people. I want to – we need more people to, like, showcase skating and put it on and build up the community of it and – or at least curate it and show it and share it. You have the capability now. Like, if you get some clips, your homies film you, turn that phone around and film them and then do something cool with that footage, you know? Go on a trip with each other and – Put that video online and, like, it's like collecting memories and sharing it, you know? That's how I look at it. I didn't have the capability before. I had to find someone with a camera to film me and, like, we had to get the shit on a DVD or a VHS and then DVD. And you didn't have online. You just had to, like, get it on get it on a DVD and hopefully sell the DVD, you know? Uh, so it's changed a lot, man. It's come down to the individual. individual. We have more power as individuals and we can create our own skate communities and scenes and we can create our own industries together you know and i hope more people do it you know it's not for everyone you got to build it into your life like it's not going to happen easily it's not it's not easy by any means like i just started slow man i started all i need and i learned how to sell some t-shirts and then i found some talented skaters and i learned how to take them on trips and throw demos and communicate with skate shops and then we figured out how to do our own skateboards and We've just slowly we under we started learning the principles of marketing and uh, understanding business a little bit and it took like a lot a lot of time and a lot of trial and error you know it's and a lot of non skating a lot of time and going that's the thing is like building a building a skate brand and platforms and YouTube and and podcasts is a lot of non skating you know like you gotta you gotta work at it so it's not for everybody you know if you just want to skate all the time and have other people film you and you be the star. That's fine. I did that for a long time. I had sponsors. I was a star. I just everyone filmed me, promoted me, did all the work for me. But um, nowadays we have the capability to do all the back end stuff. We used to call them the dark men, 
Darkman were like the dudes that were legendary skaters that got older and they still wanted to be involved with skating. So they decided like, hey, I'm going to take on the responsibility of all these emails and trying to communicate and build brands and hook up other dudes instead of people hooking me up. I'm going to do all the work to sponsor other people and build the brand and put the, put on for other people. And they're the behind the scenes dark men like pulling all the strings, making shit happen for these young dudes, you know, young skaters. And that's where I'm at now. I'm uh, Darkman Shetler. <laughs> I'm, I'm skating my ass off when I can, but now I'm mostly trying to put on for skateboarding, whether it's through skate lessons, podcasts, filming, editing with YouTube channels, uh, just trying to find opportunities for my team riders and friends. And, like, people reach out to me all the time to film them. I meet up with them and film and try to do cool content. Like, there's so many rippers out there. We need more Darkman out there. But you got to take it serious. You got to, like... If you're going to do it, you got to, like, take it somewhat serious because it's not easy. It's a lot of work, man. And I like work. We all, you know, we owe work to some degree. Some of us do. If life was easy all the time, it wouldn't be fun. It's just like if if skating was easy all the time, you wouldn't enjoy it. The reason why a lot of us enjoy skating is because it's a goddamn challenge, you know? I feel like the reason why there's a cap on <laughs> on scootering, yo, no caps, everyone says that, but... I feel like on scootering, the learning curve's not steep enough. So you get super good at a really young age to the point where you have to go up the side down and do double, triple flips. And it just gets so crazy where you're like, you're like, oh, it's just not challenging or it's not um, complex enough. It's not nuanced enough. The thing, Another thing I love about skating is that it can be super simple and look good, you know? Like, just ollies. That's why my favorite trick is a kickflip on flat, like... There's some dudes that do the most basic goddamn tricks their whole career, but it's so good looking and it's challenging, you know, like big ollies and big 180s and like, or even just tall snappy ones, you know, stees and like, it doesn't have to get too crazy. Um, yeah, the industry's just changed. It's more individualized. We, even though we're building crews together, it's like everybody has the power to do something if they want to. It's not for everybody. Um, Aaron Brand said, the life of a pro skater in 2020. All right, that's a good question. And uh, I've kind of covered it a little bit, but I'll be more specific about this one. I'm trying to think about my team riders. So for my team riders, they work, a lot of them work jobs. All of them, actually. They just work legit jobs. Like Evan works at Narragansett Surf and Skate. Shout out. He works at a skate surf shop. That's freaking rad. He pays his bills that way. Billy is a licensed electrician. KK works. He's got jobs. Um, yeah, everyone works. Sammy, Sam Kern, Sammy Skates, he films for us. He also films for, like, Nesson and, like, the Red Sox. And, like, uh, he went to Emerson, and he does – he has all types of odd jobs filming and not even skate stuff, but just doing awesome, cool stuff. Like, so I feel like in 2020, skaters um, – the life of a skater – who's aspiring to be pro or who is pro is maybe working a job, you know? Um, hopefully, maybe teaching skateboard lessons if they want to or can, because that's not for everybody. But if you're, like, pretty damn good at skating and you want to help the next generation build up the next generation of people that are going to be like, yo, that dude was cool to me, and he rips, and he was a mentor, and, like, you got them rolling, and now they're just out at the park every day because you shared, like, how sick skating was, is with them, and they got it. Like, that could help your chances of uh, doing it. But, yeah, work a job. 
inspire people to skate, share skating with people, be open, be a good mentor, like try to be your best version of yourself, don't be selfish, um, skating a lot, I imagine, because we all got phones and cameras, so skating, filming, working on a project with your homies, like a video project, even if you're just working on your own video part, or if you're working on your own video part to put into a full length with your homies, like, that's what I feel like 2020 is, um, maybe starting a podcast, those, this is, the only way I can really talk about it is what I do, and I've been doing this for over 10 years now, maybe a decade, is just, like, trying to figure out how to use the tool, the new tools we have, like, YouTube and podcasting to build a skateboard community that helps skateboarding and builds on skateboarding, so if you see what I've done, just focus on that, and, I mean, there's other ways to do it, too, but I would say, yo, get that channel growing and going. Let's start that YouTube channel. Like, we started All I Need Skate, so you can put a light on the skateboard community. If you're going to go through throwing skate events and, like, go to all the skate jams and stuff, take a time to film some clips and showcase that and put on the light. There's too many good skaters out there, and it's like, you could do that. Or just work on your own individual stuff, man. Um, just stay active in skateboarding and doing cool stuff, man. And uh, But in 2020, I feel like it's a lot of, you know, filming the homies with the phone, making sick edits, maybe doing some podcasts, definitely all the skate events, hitting all those, working on video parts. I feel like that'll always be a part of skateboarding because it's nothing's more amazing than amazing to me than when you film a video part and you take, like, two years to, like, save all your best stuff, your best lines, your best singles, and all the times out in the street and filming the celebration, the slams, the makes, like, and curating all that into a video part. You can chop it all up after and put it out on Instagram or whatever platforms you use bit by bit. Um, yeah. Let me check the question again to make sure I, I got it. Yeah, life as a pro skater. That's pro, yeah, as a pro. As a skater, do whatever the fuck you want, you know? But if you're a pro skater, I'd say just try to put on for skateboarding. Be the best example of a functioning adult that you can be and try to put the light on yourself but turn it around on your homies too. Because if you're pro, that's like kind of your uh, job, I feel, you know? Jacob Hammond, shout out Jacob Hammond, he said, what's your favorite trick to do? Again, that would be kickflip on flat ground, thanks for the question, my G, my G, there's so many good, I could even just say nolly, but I'd say a lot of flat ground tricks. <sighs> Coffee, it's, a little, it's not hot anymore. Alright, here we go, 860 Quinn, shout out, this is my G. Me and a couple buds are working on building a skate park down in Natick. That's it. N I A N T I C, Connecticut. Any tips? First, that's epic. Trying to get a skate park going in your town is exactly what I was talking about, man. Take on the responsibility of communicating with the town, or even if it's a DIY, just organizing with skaters, figuring out the layout, figuring out what you're going to build, figure out how to get the money, get the skills, see who can design one, who actually can build the ramps. Uh,. I would say reach out if you if you're gonna go through the town and not the DIY route and you're trying to get a park built, which is pretty sick. Nothing against DIYs. I love DIYs. That's such a that's true skateboarding spirit, you know. But if you want DIYs getting taken down, sometimes they get left there. That's why I never dis I never uh, disencourage people. If that I don't even know if that's a goddamn word. Disencourage. I never tell people not to do DIYs because, dude, there's been so many DIYs that we've built over the years and some got taken down and some just last and the town is like, yeah, hell yeah, we don't care. 
that that lot wasn't being used. Just homeless people and crackheads are hanging out there. Now you guys built a skate park yourselves and took it over, and now it's just skaters showing up shredding. People like that. But if you're going to go through the town, I would say um, figure out how you're going to raise the funds. That's going to be a hard part. Maybe not hard, but that's going to take some damn work, you know. You're going to have to talk to people and try to raise funds, maybe do some fundraisers, skate jams. You're going to have to, like, get a design going. There's a, there's a lot of people out there, like artists in parks, pillar designs. Uh, these are people you can reach out to, and they know how to design a park. And they actually can talk to the city and get the ball rolling for you and show you what you can do and what you need to do. Um, yeah, again, I'd say reach out to artisan or pillar design or find a skateboard uh, uh, company that is all about design and building them. I don't really know how to build a skate park. I can get a DIY going because we just throw a skate jam, get a bucket, raise some money, take that money, put it into bags of concrete, find the homie that can build the ramp, even if it's not perfect, and just start pouring concrete and just start designing it as you go. It's not going to be perfect. But if you're going to work with the city, I'd say find a company out there that designs skate parks. And they're out there. You just Google search. I gave you two right there. Reach out to those guys, and then they'll give you all the details you need to talk to the towns and the mayors. And uh, I've been to a bunch of them. I went to the Framingham one. I always go to these meetings, and it takes forever. But, dude, a lot of times at the end you get, like, half a million-dollar skate park, and it's epic. People complain about it. I don't know how you're going to complain about a new skate park, but fine with me. <clears throat> but, yeah, that's my advice. Reach out to those guys. Uh, Quinn, if you hit me up, I can give you some contacts, too. Uh, the real Rye guy just writes Plimside. Speaking of DIY, Plimside's a sick ass DIY. And actually, Plymouth just got uh, another skate park too. The town built one, and it's an awesome skate park. So now they have two skate parks. They have one that's DIY that the skaters built, and it's crusty and more like street skating, and it's got its own vibe and sickness to it. And it's just like 100% skateboarding. And then you have this other one that's like a perfect, smooth, California-type skate park that I think – I don't know which company built it, but it was one of those two that I was saying before. So now you got two options, you know. you got the perfect park and you got the not perfect one, but the one that's built from like crusty skateboarders that built it themselves. That's just still awesome place to hang, learn, and film clips and have a fun-ass time at. So – more skate parks, the better. Choo, 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 choo. All I need, all I need. <laughs> um, yeah, so Plymouth Mass is a perfect example. It has both now. They used to have a third one, but it was a shitty one. So they tore that down and built that new epic park that's, like, perfect. Each park has, like, a DIY has its pros and cons, but so doesn't a perfect skate park, you know? It could be millions of dollar skate park, and it's just, like, it's too crowded. There's bikes, there's rollerblades, scooters, there's everything in your way on certain days, you know? And the, you know, everything has its pros and cons. But if you have both, you can just drift back and forth, man. Pick your poison. All right, more questions. Moving along. Zachary Cobb. Shout out to Zachary Cobb. Young dude, rips. Only getting better and better. Fun watching him develop and learn to skate. Uh, I like his approach. He asked my backstory on skating. So for those of you guys listening to the podcast and that, that have been listening to the podcast for years now, you know my backstory, but I'll reiterate it. I won't go too de- deep in it. But um, basically, growing up, my mom and dad never got along. I called my dad father because I asked him. I was like, you want to be called father or dad? And he said father because it sounded more respectful. 
So I was like, yeah, all right, you're my father. So my mom and my father never got along. They were always fighting. My mom had five kids, three different men. She had kids at a really young age. Bad things happened to her as a kid that she never got over, and it just affected her. And she had a substance abuse problem most of her life that she struggled with pretty much until she passed. My father grew up, in a, he ended up being in a motorcycle gang and uh, lived a pretty crazy life. So uh, they never got along, and they were, like, physically abusive towards each other. And as a child, my I was always drifting back and forth. My dad kidnapped us twice, me, my sister, my brother, from my mom because for whatever reason, the courts would uh, always give us back to my mom because my dad was in a gang, you know. Even though, like, when I lived with him, it was calm and peaceful, and he was trying to get out of the gang, but he had all those ties. You can't really get out of the gang once you're in it. And uh, I'd always have the motorcycle dudes around and stuff. I didn't really understand it because I was so little, you know. But, um, so I just remember growing up, and my life was chaos. I don't really remember any calmness. I just remember fighting, my parents fighting, being physical towards each other, uh, never really having, like, a solid home, always bouncing around. I went to a bunch of different schools. Uh, always had to make friends and then leave them. I became real personable. I could talk to a lot of people because I always moved around and I had to, like, you know, try to make friends and just, like, I was meeting new people, you know. It was hard because I just didn't know. It was hard to, like, get comfortable because I'm always moving around. I never staying in one place, so it was hard to, like, I always had to, like, I was always feeling vulnerable, basically. Um, but, yeah, so my father got shot but when I was 12. He was going to a funeral for one of his friends in a motorcycle gang, and he asked us. He went up to my sister, Leah, my brother, Sammy, and me, and we're just little, little kids. Under tw- I was 12, and, like, we're young, and he's just like, hey, there's a funeral coming up. I'm going to go to it. I don't know why he asked us. It was so strange because he's the adult. He just told us, you know, and we're like, yeah, go ahead because we were excited. We're like, yeah, we got to go stay in California because I was living in Arizona, I'm 12 years old, and my dad's like, hey, I got to go to this, like, funeral for my friend, and is it cool if I do this? I don't know why he asked us. And we were all like, yeah, 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 because we're going to go stay in California with his friend, and it just seemed like a cool trip, and it's something different. So we said, yeah, and then next thing we know, we someone's telling us that we got to move to the East Coast because my father's been shot, and we're going to live with my mom. So we end up with my mom, and my father got shot, and he didn't pass right away. He was in the hospital, but they said he was going to be paralyzed for life from the neck down. And so weeks go by, and my mom took us to go see him, and that was, like, the hardest part because he couldn't lift his arms, and, like, it was crazy because my dad was so physical, and, like, he did martial arts and boxing and got me into it as a little kid. I didn't really keep with it because once he passed it was just like I found skating and I obsessed about that but like he taught me the principles of self-defense you know and he was so strong he used to lift tons of weight weights and it was just hard to see him like not be able to hug me you know like that's as a 12 year old kid that was like earth shattering to me like that brought me to tears just he couldn't lift his arms it brought him to tears I remember going into the hospital and like going to hug him and he couldn't really and I could just he couldn't really even talk at first he had like the he had the thing in his throat, the like, the pipe, you know, the the trach thing, and uh, so he's in the hospital for a few months, and then uh, they tried to move him to another hospital, uh, apparently one that was better for to to assist him, one that would help him progress better, you know, and like uh, they tried to fly him to a new hospital, and he didn't survive the flight, so 
he passed away, and I'm living with my mom in the projects in New Bedford, and this is just when I found skating. Right then, my father passed. I'm in the chaos with my mom, and she's just lost, running around the projects, doing drugs. She's just having a hard time because she has these kids, and she's having a hard... She, I remember my mom's whole life, she was trying to get Section 8 so she didn't have to worry about housing issues because we always had housing issues, you know, especially when you have drug addicts. I mean, she was buying drugs from people... When I was a freshman, she was buying drugs from people in my class. And they were like, she'd owe them money and shit, and they'd come by and like throw rocks at our windows and shit and break our windows. And like, I'd go to school and dudes, would, people would be like, yeah, your mom owes me fucking money and shit like that. And I'm like, y'all, don't fuck with me, you know? But like, <laughs> I, I just get into fights and stupid shit like that. And like, it was so annoying, man. And that's when I just focused all on skating. I found skating and I was like, I'm just going to put everything into this because this is like the thing that keeps me out of trouble. It's challenging. I'm meeting so many cool people from skating. Like it pulls me away from this hell that I, that I had no choice to be involved because it was my family. My family's just struggling, you know. And uh, I just skated all the time. And it took me across the country. And I ended up riding for Birdhouse and Tony Hawk's company and riding for Zoo York and World Industries and having pro model boards and shoes and traveling all over the world. I went to China twice, went all over Europe. I went to Australia. Um, it just pulled me from the projects to traveling the world around skating and having my dreams fulfilled. And it was just like because I... I focused on skating, and I met people that were working at skating and trying to figure out how to do sick, epic shit with skating and how we could reach the top of the top, the mountain, you know? And, uh, yeah, man. So, through skating, I've just built, like, a family and a community and rebuilt it, you know? And thank God for skating, you know? A lot of you, I know there's a lot of people out there with this story, and that's why I share it, because it's not easy to share, man. It triggers all types of shit in me, man. It... It's hard to talk about sometimes, and uh, but I know other people struggle out there, and uh, it feels good when you can share your stories. Like when people tell me that they've been through something similar, but they've survived and that they're doing good now. Like I love hearing those stories. If you're out there, man, feel free to comment on this podcast. Uh, just let me know, you know, if you're out there, because that shit inspires me. Like. It keeps me going because life's not supposed to be easy, man. It never is. Everyone has different stories and struggles, and you don't know them until we share them, you know? Um, yeah, man. That's my backstory. Basically, broken family, drugs, violence, chaos, found skating. Skating helped me focus, helped me find friends and community, pulled me out of all of that, and showed me that life doesn't have to be crazy. I don't have to be depressed and angry and think I don't have any control. It helped me have some control over my thoughts and, and feelings, you know. Skating helped me learn to develop, to like have some autonomy with myself. <sighs> it does that for a lot of people. So if you're out there, let me know, my G's. Love you, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing the podcast again. I'm really stoked to be back, man. I'm stoked you guys are here. I'm stoked the show's still going after all these years. I'm going to crush it 2020. New Year's resolution. All I need podcast. Put on for skateboarding. Block out all those people talking shit. It's not that many, to be honest. Like I said, more love than hate. But all those people trying to get at you and destroy what you're doing, 
just block them out and focus on the positivity and the people building it up and trying to build a future, like a bright future that like we can all work at and figure out how to make it awesome and like participate in. That's the thing about life is like you got to keep dreaming and you got to work hard and try to make those dreams happen. And it's not always what you think it's going to be. Like you might dream one thing and then it takes you another way, but it's just as good or it's equally as good and or it's the better option. You you know, like I dreamt of having a skateboard company and I, I dreamt like I'd hit the lottery and have a skateboard company. That didn't happen, but I just saved up and worked and started a skateboard company. It was harder, not as easy, but it's just as rewarding, if not better now, because we, we worked for it, you know? It wasn't handed to us. It wasn't just like a sponsor came and was like, here you go. It was like, no, get a job, save your money, figure out how to sell t-shirts, figure out how to do design, figure out marketing, work, stay up all night watching videos, learning everything you need to learn to better yourself to, to achieve your goals and your dreams. They don't happen. The dream don't happen unless... You work for it, and you go for it, and you develop and get better, you know? We're not all we could be, but we're going there. We're working at it, you know? That's part of growing and developing is you're not ever at the top of the mountain. Because once you get to the top of the mountain, things get stale, and there's another peak, and you got to keep going up. you got to keep going up, but you got to go at a pace that you can sustain because life can be long and beautiful. And, like, anything you're building, you want to take your time building it. You don't want to build this huge thing and it's all shaky and you didn't take your time just because you wanted to get so high up and have this big structure. Take your time. Build a foundation. Just like skating. Learn to curve. Learn to carve. Learn to push. Learn all the fundamentals. Meet people. Learn to communicate. Like, figure out why you're skating. Be able to convey that, you know. Like, share that. Like, figure out why you want to do things. Don't just rush to do them all because, you, you know, take your time. Build things that last in your life. I'm trying to do that too, so. Whew. But, yeah, that's my backstory. All I need to the top, to the top, from the bottom to the top. We going to the top. Aim up, Jeez. Aim up. That's what I'm saying in the skate lessons. Like, learn to pump up. Let's go. Let's go to the top. Push up, push up. Struggle up, struggle up. We going to the top. <laughs> Uh, Jacob Cody Hammond, he writes, what is it like, what was it like when you first met Corey Goonan? Um, these questions I asked when I thought Corey was coming on the show, he couldn't make it, and I wanted to get another, ep I wanted to get our first episode for 2020 out, so I was like, he's gonna come probably next week, and I got, he's actually gonna live with me. Corey Goonan's pro for all I need, for those of you just tuning in that don't know, Corey was our first, first skater that we turned pro for all I need, organically. Um... What was it like when you first met Corey? When I first met Corey, or Goonan, I like to call him Goonan, that's his last name. When I first met Goonan, he, I just, his skating spoke for him. He wasn't a loud dude, he was kind of like an introvert, quiet dude, but his skating, you watch him push, you watch him skate, and you're like, you can tell that like he loves skating, and it's his own thing, and he's worked really hard at his own style, and his own approach, and like... He, wa he didn't seem influenced by other people. He seemed like he had this internal fire for skating and that that's what drove him. And, 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 and that's what created such a unique character. Like whenever I see Goonan, I'm like, he's like his own creation. And it's amazing to me. And his skating is so good. He has so much pop. And he has such a sick style. And like... I don't know, like, Goonan's his own thing, man. If you want to check out Corey Goonan's skating, just type in Corey Goonan, all I need skate. You can check out our full lengths online. We've had uh, 
three full-length videos, so you could go to Thrive, Prosper, Rise. That was uh, our first full-length video. If you type in All I Need, Skate, Thrive, Prosper, Rise. Our second one would be In the Trenches, All I Need, Skate, In the Trenches. Gunan has footage and parts in both of those. Uh, Lighten Up, this is his own uh, video that he worked on independently with his crew, his friends. Uh, so you could type in Corey Goonan, Lighten Up. I'll throw links to Corey's parts in the description of this podcast. Um, and then our last video is All I Need, Good Eye, which is going to be online soon, my geez. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna release All I Need, Good Eye on Transworld in March. So it's going to be on the Transworld site. We'll have web banners promoting it, all that stuff. And uh, Corey has footage. The whole team is in that. So we've had three full-length videos. So you can check out Corey Skating, man, because it's kind of hard to summarize it. But he's just an individual, man. He's his own individual. He's not influenced by uh, any trends or anything like that. He's just – he is a trend, man. <laughs> Corey's the shit, dude. I'm super inspired by Mr. Goonan. Um, okay. Let me look at this real quick. All right, so we're, o- we're a little over an hour, so I'm only going to do a couple more questions, and then I'm going to call it and try to get our first episode of 2020 online. 40 my Gs. Um, let me see. Oh, that one I've already covered. I'll, I'll cover it again. Rough Son Skateboards. Shout out to my man Mason out there. Uh, I met I met Mason online. He's a digital. He started as a digital friend, and then he started coming to the skate park and like meeting us on trips and like. So now he's like a physical friend too. Mason's the shit, dude. Um, he says plans for YouTube channel in 2020 street edits for AIN crew. So the plan for the YouTube channel is to continue to crush it. I've been putting out at least one edit a week, sometimes two. I was just talking to someone about YouTube and uh, building channels yesterday. And the thing about building a channel, because I've been doing our YouTube channel since 2010, so it's almost 10 years. Maybe 10 years now I've been doing a YouTube channel, which is crazy to think. Time flies. The thing is, like, you got to be able to, you got to have, you got to be inspired to film and then to edit it. Or if you're not, if you're just trying to do it for the sake of doing it, it's not going to have the same impact. So you got to figure out how much space and time you need before you put up your next video. So I'm just going to continue to crush it like we've been doing. I've been getting better and better at the YouTube channel and figuring out, okay, I need two days off from filming and two days off from editing or whatever, two days on filming and two days on editing, you know, and spacing it out so that it's fresh and and I'm inspired and excited to do it. I don't want to make it feel like a job. So, like, because you got to plan long term. People are like, oh, I'm just going to put up an edit every day. But it's work, dude, and you don't want to turn the whole thing into work because it's supposed to be fun. And when it's fun, it, it you can feel it through the video, you know. Same with the podcast. Like, if you just want to do them all day, Go ahead, but then it's just going to turn into repetitive work, you know? So it's like you got to figure out how much you can handle and how much time you need off from it, you know? So right now I've been able to put up one video a week. And, and so in 2020, I think I'll put up one skate edit a week and one podcast. So two at two two releases on the YouTube channel uh, every week, if possible which has been what I've been doing, so I think it's more than possible. i figured out exactly how much time I need to keep it fresh and inspiring and awesome. So I'm just going to crush it super hard with that, and we're bringing the video podcast to the YouTube channel, and I'm going to really focus on that. 
So that's the the big thing. Billy Drown. Shout out to Billy Drown. He said, how do you get your belly button that high? This is another question for Corey Goonan. But since he's not here, I'll answer it for him. This is our joke about Corey because he has one of the most insane ollies on him. He doesn't like to always do it because, like, everyone's like, yeah, do this ollie because you're the ollie guy. You got the big snaps. So sometimes he protests. But that's fine. I get it. But he has such a big ollie, and our joke is it's because his belly button is super high. <laughs> He's all legs, dude. I think that's – I think I made that up. Maybe someone else did. But that's just my way of dealing with the fact that Gunan has uncanny pop on his skateboard. So – I don't know, Billy. You gotta ask. You gotta ask Goonin about that one. Uh, all right. Only here we go. Two more questions, and then we'll uh, we'll call it. Sam, my homie Sam out there, he asks a hard time in your life that skateboarding saved you from. I kind of already covered that, but um. Yeah, skateboarding has legitimately saved me from just a boring-ass life, man. Like, the world wants to make you conform and be organized and fit into these systems, and it doesn't give you much room for options, you know? At least that's how the world used to be. And it can, it's like that now. If you don't develop and work hard, it'll, your life will get taken away from you. You'll be working for someone else, some job that you don't give a shit about. And, like, you never be able to skate or have that creativity or that community where you're all there just having fun and it's therapeutic and it's, you can make squiggly lines on your board and you don't have to be told how to do it or there's deadlines or pressures or any of that shit, you know? Like, skateboarding saved me from just, like, monotony of life, you know? Like, it's it allows me to be expressive and creative. It does for a lot of us out there. It's It's our whole world, you know? So... But that and the skateboarding pulled me out of poverty in the sense, the poverty of mind, you know, like I I never gave up on skating and I I still don't to this day. And it's just challenged me to think bigger, to be better, to keep going, to not just settle. I always felt like an outsider a little bit with skating, which was a good thing because like I watched all these people growing up in school and whatnot and they didn't have their own thing. They were just like trying to make money or like they're like doing other things besides something that was their own you know and keeping skating in my life was like my own little project that I could work on and develop at my own pace and have my own style and expression and do whatever I want with it you know so yeah I don't know where I'm going with that but skateboarding saved me from a lot of things man um yeah I think that's it man it's been over an hour I'm really hyped to do this we'll have another podcast next week um Shout out to all you guys that support the show. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it. Hit the thumbs up. Subscribe to the podcast, the YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to check out all things skateboarding that we love, check out allineedskate.com. Uh, I'll catch you next episode next week. Love you, geez. Boop, boop, boop.